Oh, you've got a lot going on in the Geneva office. I have. I haven't. Uh, I haven't recorded in a few months, and uh, I wanted to to come in and talk about some cases that I've been working on. Um, one case that I thought would be really cool to talk about is a case where someone hired us from Arkansas. Uh, it's probably the furthest distance that someone called our office to um, talk to me. It was uh, a young lady um, from Arkansas, but she's from New York originally. And she called me and said, I'm getting a call, um, calls from an investigator telling me I need to drive or fly from Arkansas to New York to be charged with a felony. And so I asked, well, what kind of felony? And uh, she started telling me they're accusing her of DSS fraud. Um, DSS fraud is Department of Social Services. It's a um, place where people go to get um, food stamps, now called SNAP benefits, or other public assistance, HEAP, and uh, assistance with heat in the housing, and um, all these different types of things. And basically, the investigator uh, was accusing her of receiving a thousand or two thousand dollars of money um, that she didn't deserve. So I asked her a, a bunch of questions, uh, like we do in many cases. What's your name? Where are you from? How old are you? Who's your family? What do you do for work? Tell me. You know, a lot of these different types of things that a lot of times turn out to be very important. Yeah, part of the case. Yeah, I mean, and we talk about this in in other cases too. Sometimes, or in many cases, we have almost a, a two-tiered defense, and it depends on the case. But um, sometimes in meetings with people, I draw a diagram, and on the left side, it's labeled mitigation, and on the right side, legal defense. And what I explain in meetings with people is we can try to defend and negotiate based on um, reasons why someone deserves a break or why an outcome would be fair or justice. And um, an example I give is somebody's 19 years old and, and is accused of taking a candy bar from a gas station, even though that's a petty larceny charge, it's a little different than somebody who's accused of taking $80 out of a little old lady's purse. Um, so I get to know um, this person. I feel like your examples are very 1960s crimes. <laughs> <laughs> I stole a candy bar from the grocery store. <laughs> well, no one no one likes the fact pattern where somebody's alleged to have stolen from the little old lady. Right, very true. So, don't steal from We talk a lot of times about <laughs> mitigating factors, but on the other hand, there's aggravating factors, something that a district attorney or a judge looks at and says, "This was really bad. This society doesn't like this. We don't like this. This was bad." Um, so uh, I got information um, that um, the person had lived in Arkansas, um, was a victim of domestic violence, very sad circumstances, and basically fled Arkansas to come back to New York to get away from an abuser right. and came back to live with her mother and needed some assistance. So went got public assistance, right. uh, which is exactly what it's there for is perfect candidate for public assistance. Um, she then goes and finds employment and, um, at least in my conversations with her, tries to reflect the new job or, or let DSS know about the new job. 
And apparently, and I don't know where the things got mixed up or, or what exactly went on, because as you're going to find out, we didn't actually get this far. Um, DSS says that it wasn't reported appropriately or the right amount of income, and then too many benefits were received. Anyways, uh, I, I find out that before she's ever being investigated or the investigation hasn't gotten to a point to where it's t- um, they're ready to charge her with a crime, she's now moved back to Arkansas and receives a call on her cell phone. Hi, this is an investigator up in New York. We want you to come back and turn yourself in on a felony. Fly back or drive back. So she calls me because she's concerned about the charge, doesn't know if she has to come back. She's looking at flights. They're $500. And how many times will she have to come back? Does she come back to get fingerprinted, go home, come back for court, go home? Right. And at what point do you need an attorney, too? Because it becomes, I mean, an investigator wants to question you. Yeah, and, and, and... it's an interesting topic. People call us often and have, in, have a reason why they think they're being investigated. And we want to know, well, why do you think you are? Did a police officer come to your house? Did someone tell you? Do you have a hunch? Like, right. did you do, did did you, you do something? <laughs> right. Is, yeah. why, why do you think you're being investigated? What do you think you'd be investigated for? And um, there's certain cases that you can definitely try to get out in front of, and there's some actions that you can take. One, protecting your client's rights by sending a letter to the investigator and the district attorney saying, my client wants to invoke their right to remain silent. Don't go to their house and talk to them. Don't right. call them and talk to them. If you have questions about the case, talk to me. Yeah. And, um, and it gives you a sense of peace if you are the person being investigated for whichever reason. Right. Knowing that you have someone in your corner that can help you. Right. And and we talk about different things, too. We say, has there been cases that we've been able to get out in front of something before a charge? Yes. Are we always able to do that? No. Right. Um, is some In some cases, rather than a police showing up at your work or your home to arrest you, will they probably call us and say, can your client turn themselves in next week? And at that point, we'd have a conversation like, there's nothing I can say to change your mind. Are you sure you're really going forward? And then there can be a negotiation like, if we turn in next Friday, do we walk right back out with an appearance ticket? Or are you going to put us in front of a judge and try to get bail set? Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes we can negotiate those types of things. We potentially can negotiate what charges the person might be getting. Or if you didn't have an attorney, you wouldn't be able to. Exactly. So, so in this case, and to further, the person had gone, the client had gone back to Arkansas, back to her abuser. The abuse, unfortunately, started back up. She then had spent time in a shelter. There were criminal charges filed against the abuser in Arkansas. This was, I mean, a lot going on, and um, she hired us, and she said you know, I, I want to see what you can do. Um, and if I am charged, will you continue to represent me? And, and I explained all these possibilities and all the different ways this could go. And I wasn't sure where it was going to go, but I tried to explain, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. And I would, right. I would do my best with all of these different things. So my, I decided that I wanted to be uh, semi-aggressive, um, 
with the case, I called, I was going back and forth on whether I should call the investigator first or the district attorney first. I decided um, to call um, the assistant district attorney handling these types of cases. He picked up the phone. Uh, sometimes you get a voicemail. Sometimes you get the, get the lawyer. I got the lawyer. Um, and I was very open and honest about what I had been told, what I thought the situation might be, and uh, relayed that information. And the question I had was, is there a way that we can talk about this without her being charged? Is there a way we can talk about this without her coming from Arkansas, spending her last $500? Um, would you have a problem, um, Assistant District Attorney, if the investigator decided not to charge on this one? And through that conversation, I was told they're really, they weren't, the DA's office was not against this case not being charged if it was okay with the investigator. Is there a reason why that would be in the sense of like there's lack of evidence or that it ends up looking like there's, it sounds like a miscommunication of some sort. Um, I mean, why would uh, ADA do that? So I used to be a district attorney. Um, My brother Bob used to be a district attorney. Greg used to be a district attorney. And I think a lot of people would agree that district attorneys are supposed to do what they think is right, right, what they think is justice. And I think, although I never specifically asked him, I think with the mitigation and circumstances part of our conversation, he was comfortable that the right thing to do in this case might be to not charge right. and that that would be a fair outcome. And um, I, I, thought very highly of him for thinking that way. So he didn't necessarily say there's no way we're going to charge this case, but that he would be okay if it wasn't, Mm -hmm. but that I should talk to the investigator. Right. So my next call was to the investigator. I told the investigator, here's what's going on. I know you, I know you've talked to my client before. Um, She's in Arkansas. You know some about her circumstances because you've talked to her a few times. I just got off the phone with the DA's office. This was the conversation that I had with them. I asked the district attorney if it was okay if I um, let the investigator know that I had talked to him and there were no secrets. And uh, so I talked to the investigator and said, would you have a problem if I was able to, you know, work this out without her being charged? Mm -hmm. And, you know, really one of the big things was, is they said whether it was intentional, not intentional, right, wrong, that DSS should be made whole um, and they were out some money or they believe they were out some money. And so part of it would be getting this, this money sorted out. So um, the DA was on board. The investigator was on board. I thought very highly of my conversation with the investigator. He was very professional and very understanding and, and seemed like a nice guy. And so they, he told me that I should call DSS Um so, so there's a lot of moving parts in, right. a, in a situation like this. And, and it was all happening very fast. And, um, you know, sometimes we have cases that take a month and sometimes we have cases that take a year and a half. And uh, once we had some momentum, I was hoping that this was one that took a month. And um, so my next call was to uh, DSS. I got um, a director on the phone, the 
the person that they told me to reach out to. And I talked to her and told her the situation, Arkansas, domestic right. violence, short right. on money. So you, showed, you basically showed them, hey, right. this is the situation, right. just so you know. And we hadn't produced this information yet, but we would have been able to, and we were in the process of getting records from the shelter, records from the new job, the police reports from the new case down there. Um, you know, these were all things that we were prepared to back up. And I said, I've talked to the district attorney. I've talked to the investigator. If you're okay with not charging, so are they. Is this a case that you would consider um, not charging? And my recollection is, is that she said, I'm probably okay with that, but let me talk to my office. And right. they have... Um, I mean, a, they have a duty, too, to make sure that there really isn't an issue going on and that everything is how it was laid out. Right. So, so uh, it took about a week, but I, I imagine there was some conference or discussion in her office or um, they have a team. I, I'm not exactly sure. And it sounded like that the DA investigator and DSS all talked and collaborated, make, made sure I wasn't tricking anybody and 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 I obviously was being honest in uh, what I was doing and I I got a call that said if if you can pay the uh, thousand or two thousand dollars back she never has to come up from Arkansas she'll never be charged and and I don't know if I said this in the beginning of the recording but this was a felony charge oh really why so what makes it a felony I believe it's a felony if it's over a thousand dollars. It might be okay. two thousand, but I think it's a thousand dollars. So it's kind of similar. Know if it has any? Like, is it? It's against um, DSS. If there's any more weight to it that makes it a felony, just because it's DSS or? I don't know that distinction, and there may be one, but yeah. kind of the difference between like a petty larceny, which most people have heard of, is yeah. it's stealing intentionally stealing, and, and it's it could like be under a thousand, right? Right. Anywhere from one dollar to nine hundred and ninety nine, and a grand larceny starts at a thousand and goes up. But and a then, grand larceny is a felony, straight. Just there's right. no okay. right. So in this case, they really when they usually do charge these uh, DSS cases, they also do like a falsifying business record because they say that something was wrong on the application, right. and then. Uh, a grand larceny because it was over a thousand and a DSS fraud because it was stealing from DSS. They're very similar charges, but it would have been a multi felony charge had it gone forward. Yeah. Um, and would have been drawn out longer right. and everything. Yeah. So in this situation, it was beneficial for her to hire someone and get ahead of the game before it became even bigger than it potentially could have been. It, it really turned out about as good as it could have. Um, I gave her a call and uh, told her I've negotiated if we pay them um, the 1000 or $2,000, it goes away. Right. And she was on a little bit of tough times but said, um, I, need, I need to get two paychecks. I don't know. I forget if she was getting paid weekly or biweekly, but she's like, when I get paid, I'll set some money aside, and when I get paid again, I'll set some money aside, and I'll have the money. So I called um, DSS back and I said, are you okay if it takes us, you know, like 30 or 60 days? They're like, sure, no problem. That's, that's plenty quick enough. In about 30 days, um, check came to me. Check came out of our trust. I put it in our trust account and uh, got a check with our law firm name on it. 
and hand delivered it to DSS, case was closed. Yeah. Um, and that's going to make you feel good, too. Like, you're really helping someone and making sure that their life doesn't drastically shift for something that really just needed to be worked out. It was, it was a really good outcome. I, I'm hoping that um, she can move on from the charges, and I hope that um, she's never a track. never a victim of domestic violence yeah. again and can she's a hard worker um single mom and hopefully now she can um put all this put all this basically behind her yeah. and it made me you know obviously feel good about the the outcome that we we got and it really made me feel good too about uh working with a DA that did things entirely entirely the right way. Right. An investigator who did things above and beyond and entirely the right way. And um, you know, sometimes we we say the the police did it wrong or the DA's office did it wrong, but there's a lot of good DAs. There's a there's a lot of good police officers out there. And in this case, they showed it. They right. they they proved it and you know, they they listened to me. They didn't have to listen to me. The investigator didn't have to take my phone call. He could have waited two weeks to call me. He called me back right away. Right. He heard me out, didn't question everything that I said and, and you know, accused me of making it up. Or, um, you know, they could have said, well, get her up here to be processed and then we'll talk about if, if we can resolve it. Right. Um, they, they really did a nice job. And I don't think people realize that each of these entities, you end up having to work together. So it's easier to just be cooperative and find a resolution that works for everyone instead of you know going against the grain the entire time. It makes it an easier process. Yeah, it's 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 totally case to case, and that's kind of back to that mitigation legal defense um, chart. So, in the beginning beginning of a case, we can say, "Here's what um, someone's being accused of. Let me tell you about where they work, who their family is, what they're about." They don't have criminal history. They're a nurse, they're, you know, whatever it is. And is there a way of figuring this out? And if there's not, we go to the other side of the chart. Was the stop correct? Are the charges legal charges? Does the proof match up to the charge? Was Miranda read at, uh, before questioning the defendant? Uh, was the car properly searched? Is evidence being turned over properly? all these type of legal issues, we f we'll fight about those a little down the line. Let's see if we can talk about, even if what you're saying is true, can we figure it out? Or, um, yeah, those, those are the, the first conversations. And then, you know, obviously if things aren't going the way we need them to go or want them to go or think they should go, then here comes legal defense. Right.